What is up, Charles Inner Nicola? What's going on, Nick? It's been a crazy week, huh? So I'm conflicted. Do we just jump right into today's topic, which last week we hit deal value. Today we're going to talk about deal ROI. And I know as, as we're doing this now, election stuff's happening and all this other good stuff. Well, first, before we even get to that point, let's let's show our new opening for our kickoff thoughts. You ready? Watch this. Well, and we're getting a lot of comments about the astronaut, what his his or her name is. So I think that's a big decision. So as we, it's a community. So over time, maybe we throw out some surveys and whatnot to our franchise growth mastermind community. If anyone has comments, just let us know. But um, it's a big decision. I mean, some of the early winners could have been clown. Someone I heard clown as a name. <laughs> but that would be that would be a good one. <laughs> Uh, I heard uh, technically probably as another one. Okay. You know, these are some of the early ones. All right, let's talk politics. And, and look, we're going to get to the deal ROI uh, soon. And I actually think, I, I do think we can actually twist this conversation into deal ROI. The clear, and, and, and here, here's my statement. And look, you read our newsletters, there's some thoughts in there about elections and pandemics and everything else. And we're trying to have fun. Uh, with the email newsletter, which, by the way, two consecutive weeks at over mm -hmm. a thousand opens, uh, which is great. Uh, now, most of those email addresses are mine or Charles's <laughs> or our mother's, but still, a thousand is a thousand. Um, okay, so deal ROI. I believe that long past uh, our lives, uh, someone's going to be talking about uh, the two campaigns of President Donald Trump. And on campaign one, uh, it'll be known or seen as the greatest marketing campaign that's ever been completed because he was able to market a message to his personas and made sure each audience heard exactly what they wanted to hear out of how he was running for the election. That's how he wins the presidency the first time. It was genius marketing. And on the second campaign, so his deal, his deal ROI on campaign one was a presidency when the guy doesn't have any political backdrop and he becomes a president, arguably the most important or highest uh, position person in the entire world. Um, on the flip side, uh, deal ROI, uh, not knowing when to keep your mouth shut, like I think that we're gonna look at this campaign and say the difference of him getting another four years or not was not knowing how to, when to when to keep his mouth quiet. When, when, to, when it's, uh, if you have nothing good to say or nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. At that point, he just couldn't figure that out. And that's probably the difference between some of these middle votes that could potentially swing to Biden. We still don't have a president. But if he is to, to lose this election, it could come down to that. So the deal ROI for him in two scenarios swings in two different directions. And I, I, I know that I'm, I don't even think I'm stretching with this message. But I feel like it, it's very it's a very fascinating. It will be very fascinating to look back at how this was marketed. Uh, as a presidency long after we're gone. So <clears throat> there's like a lot of good points, right? If you're marketing- oh, Wait, wait, before, before you give that point, check this out. 
I mean, we're getting comments. Nice haircut, Nick. How could I not put that on the screen, Brandon? Come on, Brandon. Where? What about my haircut? Nothing. I think I think uh, Charles's haircut looks great. All right, go ahead, Charles. So, right, deal ROI. Your ROI increases more effective. I mean, <clears throat> love him or hate him. What made Trump effective the first time around, and even now, his message and story is not about him. It's about the transformation he offers. However you perceive Make America Great, his message isn't me focus. It's on his customer, right? His, the people voting for him. And that, that was, I think, all the difference between him and Hillary in the first election. I think that's what creates, whether you like the guy or not, that's what creates the big crowds and the passion. His understanding that He's not the hero of the story, even though he acts like it. He understands that the people are the hero of the story and, and he's there to empower them. He does. Now, on the other hand, what I think from an ROI standpoint, what I learned from Biden is sometimes industry is more important than execution. If you're in an industry that is experiencing accelerated sales growth, or has less competition in the franchise space, you don't need to execute that well on your messaging. Not to say he hasn't. So there's a combination of two things there, but that's right, what happens. I, you know, the reality is, I guess at the end, at least what I tell myself when I go to sleep, or I tell my sons, none of this is gonna impact our lives. So plan the trip to wherever you wanna go six months from now, build your business and make it so, Side A or B, whichever one you prefer, they win or lose, doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because, and you you covered this week uh, in our newsletter writing, but I, I was reading it this morning and you wrote in there that the next McDonald's is the entrepreneur, which the reality is the next McDonald's is you. Like um, yeah. I, I wrote a piece to some of our 1851 clients this morning. Um, we, we, we have an end of month uh, recap and I waited because I wanted to see the election results before I gave my two cents on what happens to franchising next. And the reality is, um, one, it, won't, it, it doesn't matter. You're going you're gonna to hustle regardless of who the president is. And I know emotionally there's something behind you that is like, uh, this, is, this didn't work out the way I wanted or it did work out the way we wanted. We still don't have... Uh, we, it's not defined yet, but so we, it's going to work out for some, it's not going to work out for others. But the reality is then we get on to life and we continue on with our business. And so what's interesting though, um, historically when the incumbent wins, uh, the stock market goes up for the next three months. And when the new candidate comes in, the stock market goes down for the next three months. That's historically, if you break down the data, the, the movement and what happens in the market. What that means for franchisors is when the market goes down, turbulence increases and job stability decreases. And when all that starts working against the human being, they start looking at what's next. And when people are shooken up and they look what's next, then they bubble to the top. So real, realistically, and this is not politics, if Biden is named president, president based on historical data, more franchise brands are going to experience growth next year. Now, the the unknown or, or unforeseen component of this is coronavirus. We don't know the complete impact that has. Um, but 
from a data standpoint, if Biden is elected, then more people are going to be buying franchises next year because the economy should get a little bit more turbulent. Now, none of you want to hear that. And frankly, majority of franchise brands ride the curves of the economy. And we've Charles and I have talked about this a hundred times that you need to ride the opposites of the economy, that when things go bad, you spend. When things are good, you, you pull off the gas because the buyers in a franchise economy work opposite of the economy because you're, you're encouraging someone to take their life savings. Uh, you're encouraging someone to quit a job. You're encouraging someone to have a career shift. Those things don't happen when things are all rosy because the middle manager is comfortable and they want to stay in their seat. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, and not because not to go into it, but March, April, May, big conversation points. Forget COVID as a virus and leave the health issues aside for a moment. From a business standpoint, I, I think everyone needs to be aware the transformation of COVID in society and the economics including the, the printing of money that's about to happen all over the world, has not hit us yet. So we may be on a, uh, an adrenaline high right now. So just be aware. But look, as we discussed during our development conference and whatnot, there's so much opportunity right now. It is big. And, you know, focusing in on what you call, Nick, uh, the blocking and tackling and the basics, right? Last week, we... we these, for these videos, let's focus on a paradigm shift. One, last week we talked about focusing on deal value. It's not, I want more leads. It's, I want more deals. How do we measure deal value? How do we use that deal value to plan out our five-year strategic plan? And how do we use it to, to, to judge sales success and how much we're budgeting, right? Now take that budgeting component, that deal value focus, and today's about deal ROI, right? So now we've evaluated deal value, which is not how much is my franchise fee, but over the life of the franchise agreement, what's the positive cash flow value to the system? Okay. And now I guess today, when 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 I hear the term deal ROI and a franchise brand is planning out its 2021 budget, how do we back into this now, Nick, where we say, okay. We know what our deal value is. We know where we want to be in five years. How do we factor in a realistic ROI and plan out next year? So, I mean, the advice that I've been giving to clients as of late is uh, cash is still king. Um, so you don't want to create these giant budgets. Now, the unfortunate part is expectations are not wavering. Uh, even though we're in a presidential crisis and a health crisis. But, you know, you have, you have boards or CEOs that are saying, go get me the deals that I'm asking for. And you're like, well, what's my budget? They're like, less. It's like, okay, so what we're, what we're really setting up for is a ton of disappointment next year, period. I mean, it's just like, the, the likelihood of hitting these goals is going to be thin. Now, this is where you start stretching those budgets, though. And let's say... Uh, the cost per deal is going to be somewhere in the range of $25,000. And brands are going to argue me on this all day long. Go look at your own own data and then come back and argue me on this. Let's call it $25,000. So to get those first 10 deals, I need $250,000. 
for a lot of brands that are north of $250,000, it's less money than it would cost to open up a unit. And you're going and getting hopefully 10 franchisees, 10 franchisees, the deal value is so significant that it's a no brainer. Most brands struggle to get there, but let's pretend that they don't. So you take this $250,000 budget. Now you sign deal one, you add another 25. So what ultimately happens is you build a model where every time you're signing a deal, you're adding more money to the budget, but you're building it based on the success. So when you get through the first 10 units that you've signed, even though you've deployed $250,000, you in fact have increased your budget by another $250,000 so that you can continue to ride the wave until it starts slowing down. You look at that indicator and then you pull off the, pull off the gas. So if you're gonna grow, the reality is you're gonna have to spend money the reality is that the cost per deal is much higher today than it's ever been. And that's partly because the broker community has infiltrated local markets. They have a firm grip on a lot of people that are in career transitions. They're already there. They're capturing those leads. And if you're going to get on top of the broker deals, um, you're going to have to have that clear marketing campaign that President Trump used to get elected. Um, and that, you know, bo both are trying to deploy this year. You're going to need an effective campaign to get in front of the broker deals. The other place that you can, you can budget is through the brokers, because the reality is it's not a lot of cash out. Yes. Yeah, so, so to play in a FranNet or a Fran choice, uh, broker network, there's a little bit of cash out on a monthly basis, but the reality is you're paying on a, on an acquisition of deal basis. So now that extends your budget as well. So to get to deal ROI, now here comes the, the hidden trick. Um, you need to look at people that can scale. And this is gonna be the big shift in the marketplace where we stop trying to sign single unit operators and we start going after people who can scale their businesses within our organizations because 25 franchisees that each own five units is a lot easier to deal with, a lot more cost effective, which creates more ROI than 125 different franchise owners. <clears throat> So how do we put it into a framework for next year? Okay. Wait, well, we, we, wait, wait, we, we got to do it. And that's what we call mission critical steps. I'm totally going to nail this timing eventually. Like I'm going to be able to read when you're about to go there. And I'm, gonna be, I'm just going to push that button. No, and I get it. And look, as a non-marketing person, um, I hate when you say it's 25,000 deal and multiply. And so does every franchisor. We, like, we all hate it. Um, but I get it. And I also get, and next week we're going to talk about converters, really maximizing your brand and converting because you have no business spending that 25K unless you've done a series of steps we're going to talk about next week. Holy. So, All right, so let's do the takeaways. What what are the crit mission critical next steps? So that's what I want from you. I mission critical next steps for next year. Other than just saying, hey, if I want 10 deals, it's times 25,000. What are some factors I should be considering right now when I set that budget? Go look at your website. What is the message that it says? If it says, you know, look at our beautiful building, change it. That's not a why you why now. Go establish that. Two, what are your assets? Your assets are your franchisees. Who's going to validate for you? Pick a few of them, build some campaigns around them. And a campaign can be quite simple. It could be like, what college did you go to? Insert franchisee. 
They're like, I went to the Ohio State. You go build an ad campaign that says Ohio State graduate buys into insert brand and you target that to Ohio State graduates. Done. You just leverage your, your existing franchisees. Three, markets. Don't be stupid with your markets. Go look on 1851. We just did an entire issue on state-by-state -state reporting off of the Alec Lafer report that basically looks at the economic conditions on a state-by-state -state basis. In the state of Utah, the dollar is more valuable than the state of New York. It just spreads a lot farther. So be smart about your development. Now, don't pick Utah when you're in Florida as your next development market. If you're in Florida, look at Georgia, South Carolina, Alabama, Mississippi, like go concentric circles. It's how you grow. So be smart with your growth markets. Next, look at those growth markets and see who your franchisee is. If your franchisee is going to say when you're like, hey, would you would you do this again? They're like, eh, maybe not a validator. Best of luck. You're going to increase your budget to get into that marketplace because I am going to call that franchisee and say, hey, would you do this again? If they, if there's any hesitation in their voice, I'm not going to do it. And then lastly, now comes the $25,000. Like go, go build a budget that you can actually do things with, but be smart about deployment. I see all these brands say, well, what's the cheapest way to spend this money? And then I hear the conversation of how frustrated they are because they didn't get what they expected. Uh, yeah, you did. You went cheap. This is the same thing that happens when franchisees skimp on uh, real estate investment. investment on how much they're willing to invest in it. So be smart about this stuff. Uh, the pathway is there. That's what I would do. Those are my mission critical steps. Yeah. And, and I think the most important there is about be smart with deployment of funds, right? So so then you're pushing back um, deal ROI. You're saying, let's stick with the 25K per deal. But as we go along the way, <clears throat> there's ways to increase our deal ROI. And these are the critical steps. I agree with that. I mean, I would have, I love to segregate this, but you can't, right? So <clears throat> how many brands, that list that you just gave, Nick, and, and these factors, especially the part about building concentric circles and actually targeting a market, right? And the momentum that could build, hey, you're hitting a Wyoming market. Now you're magnetizing. So you have one, two, three successful franchisees. Then you target brokers in that market successfully. So <clears throat> I think there's a lot of value there. Yeah, I mean, this This is not hard in theory. It's hard because the, the data sources for franchising try to make everything equal. And when you break down product leadership, cost to get in, how much you can make, territory availability and validation, just in those categories, now all of a sudden brands become more different than you think they are like you can take a better breakfast brand against a better breakfast brand. And then you look across those categories and their, their, their differences become greater instantly. Yet us as an industry, we try to oversimplify thing, everything. And um, I would imagine that most of us have had a moment where like, ah, oh, if I just didn't have to work with dumb people. Well, the reality is half of this world is dumb. Let's just, let's just be, let's, it, it is what it is. They're not going to have the intelligence level as you do and you're gonna get frustrated with the service level or whatever else. This is true with franchisees. This is true with people that we work with. And the faster that you get to the to the understand that you're gonna be greatly disappointed unless you t change something, change your, your way of doing it, then, you know, you are going to end 2021 uh, <laughs> flustered and frustrated. Yeah, and, and that's not gonna happen because, so, 
because there is opportunity out there. I, I like your point, Nick. And I, again, that there are differences that you don't realize that exist, no matter the industry. Um, I'd be curious, not only the franchise, the website itself, the why you, why now, the leadership, all the things you really need to be developing before you deploy those dollars. Um, <clears throat> brands should also be considering, I mean, they should be actively involved with their own Facebook and <clears throat> YouTube channels in terms of videos for those franchisee candidates. I think they should be. I know FSOs, the franchise sales organizations, are actively pursuing portals for brokers. I, I'd even challenge whether franchisors should have broker-specific websites just for brokers. In a world where you work with them, you should. In a world where you work with real estate companies, you should. But here's the here's the biggest gap, and I know I know we're hitting our our time limit. We we were already over. You know, shame on us. We screw this thing up every week. But, <laughs> But we're, we're in Fran space, so we're able to do whatever we want. You can stop watching. Uh, the word should. Like, unfortunately, franchise brands don't understand that word as a vast majority. We should invest in franchise development. We should look at deal value. We should look at ROI. We should build different journeys from a persona standpoint for the franchise buyer that has single unit, multi-unit, the real estate developer and the broker. We should leverage our existing franchisees. We should create videos that tell the story. We should build content. We should have better creative. We should have a vision. We should talk about coronavirus on our website. We, we should talk about our support model. We should talk about our points of differentiation. We should talk about the why you why now. The problem is there's so many shoulds and we don't know where to start as a franchise brand. And then the second that someone like me or you, Charles, go to a brand and say, well, let us tell you how, but here's the playbook, it's this big. You're like, well, I don't wanna run all those plays. I wanna run, I wanna run one play. And if you, like you're, you're, you're the, like most franchise brands are the New York Jets. You run one play on defense, one play on offense, and that is why you can never win a football game. And the reality is you look at a Patriots and you're like, why do they keep on winning with players? It's because they play the playbook and they do everything correctly. So the word should, all these franchise brands should, I can give you the path. I can give every franchise brand a pathway to grow. Now, some of them won't like it because I'll, I'll be like, hey, you're a pig. I can't put lipstick on you until we correct unit level economics. Best of luck growing. They're like, well, we still need 100 deals next year. I don't care if our franchisees don't make money cool. That's just not the way things work. You should have listened to me in the first place. Right. And I, I look, there's a lot of steps. And, and so as we exit out on this, Nick, a deal ROI, it's really going to be a function of how you spend your money. Right. And let's just take the steps basic. If you want listings is video and, and we dealt with this a lot during the conference, we saw some amazing franchisors who not only knew their why you, why now they lived it. And this will be something we discuss next week. Right now, if you're watching the video, answer the why you, why now question for franchisees. That by itself, that one step will help you deploy your dollars better. And then, Nick, the other thing, too, I don't know if we mentioned it, but if you are listening to this and you're not a part of the Franchise Growth Mastermind community, you could join that on Facebook and, um, and you know, get involved in the conversations that are going on. Charles, how do we end these things? I don't, Nick, I leave that up to uh, you. Come on, man. Come on.
<laughs> I know, Kawa. <laughs> See ya. Peace.